0: This is an ABC podcast. What makes someone who cruises through life relatively happily different to someone who struggles with mental health issues? At least part of it lies in our genes, and there's not much we can do about that. But there are other factors that we can control. Mary McMillan is trying to figure out the divide between the two through a highly scientific process involving spit in a cup. I like to think that I am a reasonably cheery person. I think if you ask the people that know me, my friends and my family, they'll tell you I'm pretty kind of happy-go-lucky. I am definitely more glass half full than glass half empty. And I kind of coast through life without too much drama. As long as I've been fed and had enough coffee, I would say that my mental health is, you know, pretty A-OK. But I'm one of the lucky ones. The latest estimates tell us that nearly half of all Australians will experience a mental health condition at some point in their life. And every year now, we're looking at about a million Australians experiencing depression. And we know that depression is a factor in more than half of all suicide attempts. So I kind of wonder, what is the difference between somebody like me, who kind of just floats through life with pretty good mental health, and those one million Australians who will experience depression sometime this year? It's a good question, and it's the kind of question that I'm trying to answer through my research. The thing with our mental health is that we can think of it a little bit like a seesaw. On one end of the seesaw, you have what we call risk factors, things that are maybe going to make you more likely to be depressed, kind of way down that end of the seesaw. These can be things like... Our environment, experiencing trauma or abuse at some point in our lives, just feeling socially disconnected, not having good social connections around you, being lonely, stress, poor physical health, all of these things can put us at risk. On the other end of your seesaw, we've got protective factors. These are the things that kind of protect us from experiencing something like depression. These can be spending a lot of time in, in the natural environment. It can be having good physical health, it can be having really strong social connections, It can be having really good psychological resilience. So these two things sit on either end of our seesaw. And then on both sides of our seesaw, we also have our biology, our genetics, our biochemistry. These things can shift that seesaw in either direction. These biological factors are the things that I'm really interested in. And specifically, I'm really interested in our genes and the role that they play. I'm really interested in finding out whether the answer to some of our mental health problems actually lies within our DNA. We know from a whole bunch of studies that have been done that something like depression does tend to run in family groups. If you have a close family relative that has experienced depression, you're something like five times more likely to experience it as well. Part of that could be because families share the same environment often and some of the same experiences, so they might have some of those common risk factors. But it's also because family members share their DNA. They have genes in common. If we think about depression as being at least partly genetic, does that mean that we can be able to find the genes that are involved? The short answer is yes, or at least I really hope so, because that's exactly what I'm trying to do in my research. So I like to think of myself as being a little bit like a DNA detective, right? sifting through the human genome, trying to find out exactly which genes might contribute to having a mental health disorder. Not going to pretend it's an easy task. It's a little bit like looking for a needle in a haystack or trying to solve the world's worst jigsaw puzzle. If you consider that there's somewhere between 20 and 30,000 genes in the human genome, like that's a lot of DNA to dig through. But fortunately, there are some approaches that we can take that make that a little bit easier. I'm really lucky because here in the New England region, there's a whole bunch of people who Really realise the importance of mental health research. And they are putting their money where their mouth is, or at least putting their bodies on the line for science and volunteering to be participants in our studies. So, what these participants do, and I've got a few hundred of them around this region, what they do is they are really nice and tell us all about themselves. They tell us about their mental health history. They tell us about their life experiences. They tell us about any sort of signs or symptoms of depression that they might have experienced. And they also give me something that is extremely valuable. They give me some spit in a cup, (laughs) which sounds really gross, I know. I do spend quite a bit of my life playing with other people's spit, but it's because in even a very small sample of saliva, there are people's cells. And from those cells, I can pull out some DNA And then I can start to analyse those genes and have a look at them. And because I have so many study participants, the good thing is I can choose any gene that I want. I might choose a gene that is, for example, involved in serotonin or dopamine signalling, you know, those chemical signals in our brain. And I can take a look at what that gene looks like in our study participants that have had a history of mental health issues or symptoms of depression, And I can compare it to what that gene looks like in people who've never had those issues. And sometimes when you're doing this detective work, what you find is there are some particular genetic variants that pop up more often in people who've either had depression or some symptoms of depression, and less often in those people who haven't, which is really cool. So we get this correlation sometimes between particular genetic variants and depression. And we go, yeah, cool this is a clue that this might be a gene that's involved. We all know that correlation does not equal causation, so we have to be a little bit careful about the conclusions we draw, but what it does tell us is that these are particular genes that we might want to think about having a little bit more of a look at. So by now you might be kind of thinking, so what? You know, So what if you can tell me which genes are involved in depression? It's not like we can change our DNA. I can promise you that I'm at least hopefully not just wasting time and money by digging through DNA and and looking for these needles in a haystack. The thing about having some biological information and understanding the genetic basis of something like depression is that we can use that information to improve the way we diagnose and treat those disorders. Right now, we have a whole range of different treatments for depression. We have medications. We have different types of therapy that we can use. The problem is that we're not actually very good at choosing what the treatment might be for any particular person. We kind of go, okay, you've got depression, not great, let's try this treatment (laughs) and wait a while and see if it works and if it doesn't work, come back, we'll try something else. This can be a really, really long process for people. It can take years for people to find out that one thing that actually works for them. So wouldn't it be kind of cool if we could take a little bit of the guesswork out of that whole situation and if we could look at people's DNA and go, ah, you've got these particular genetic factors and we know from our experience that people who have that kind of profile, this is the treatment that has the best chance of working for you. And we can hopefully make that whole process of choosing a treatment a lot more efficient and effective. That's going to save a lot of people, a lot of heartache, it's also gonna save our health system a lot of money. This is just one kind of part of the puzzle in terms of what we can use this genetic information for. The other thing that we can use genetic information for is feeding into prevention. If we can identify these different genetic variants that are risk factors, and we can then start to maybe screen people for those genetic variants, we can identify the people who are most at risk. And the cool thing is that if we know who's at risk, we can help them by building those protective factors on the other side of their mental health seesaw. We can actually train people to improve their psychological resilience. We can put networks of support around people. So if we know who's at risk, we might actually be able to prevent them from getting depression in the first place. Should probably point out at this point that I'm not kind of suggesting that we just go around and start to screen people willy-nilly for different genetic variants probably not the best use of our money and time but what if we could apply this to maybe particular groups of people that we know are maybe going to experience a lot of stress or you know be in stressful situations for example one of the studies that i've taken part in is for a group of cancer patients now going through treatment for cancer is like a pretty big deal it's not a great situation for people to be in, and it probably wouldn't surprise anyone here to learn that people who are experiencing cancer treatment have much higher rates of depression than other groups of people. What if we could, at the start of that process, take a look at all of those people's DNA, figure out these are the people that are most at risk, and again, start to build up that protective side of that seesaw, keep it nice and balanced. That's our aim. The thing is, we all get sad. Completely normal, completely human response to things going wrong. Told you at the start that I'm a pretty cheerful kind of person, I am, even I get sad. The thing is, sometimes that becomes much bigger, okay? It becomes something that impacts on people's everyday lives. And that's the point where people really need to seek some medical help. So my dream is that the DNA detective work that I'm doing now will hopefully one day make that help that those people are seeking a little bit more efficient and hopefully improve the lives of those million Australians each year who are suffering from depression. Thank you. Balancing the mental health seesaw. That's biomedical scientist Mary McMillan from the University of New England. Mary was speaking at our Occam's Razor live event at the Wicklow Hotel in Armidale earlier this year. I'm Tegan Taylor, your Occam's Razor host, and I'll be back in your feed next week with another tale from the front lines of science. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.